0: Hey guys, this is Philosophers and Madmen. I'm Josh Moran. I'm Dave Putman. And in this episode, our guest is our friend Glenn Cook, who is a dog trainer out in Dural, New South Wales, in Australia.
1: Glenn has been training dogs for over 23 years. Uh, Currently, he's the training director at the pet resort for the NDTF. Uh, It was really an honor to talk to him and get sort of his viewpoint on training dogs especially speaking with someone with so much experience i've not had the pleasure myself to speak with somebody with that much experience but uh learned quite a bit and uh, it was quite a fun
0: episode we had a lot of fun, talked about a whole bunch of different topics ranging from one of the things he's most passionate about, which is training other dog trainers, to some of the minutiae of dog training itself. So if you guys have any questions, comments about this podcast, you can get a hold of Dave and myself at the Philosophers and Mad Men Facebook page. We have an Instagram, or you can just send all your nasty hate mail to Dave Putman at gmail.com
1: yeah, please. There's two numbers following that, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> Send them to dave putman at gmail.com. Have a good one
0: guys. Thanks for listening. That poor bastard. So wanted to give people an opportunity to obviously get to know our guest a little bit. Um, so you are in New South Wales, Australia. Yes. and yes, that's right. One of the things that I learned about you when I was there is that you are an instructor for the NDTF, and one of the things that I am really a big fan of in the States is the IACP. Um, Excuse me, and from what I understand, the NDTF is a bit of uh, an analogous association in Australia where you guys educate trainers and kind of vie for a balanced side to dog training.
2: Yeah, the NDTF's been um, in operation. Well, the NDTF stands for the National Dog Trainers' Federation, and primarily its role is in uh, education of um, anybody who wants to do a certification in training. So the actual certification, what they get, which is uh, government accredited, it's a uh, Certificate three in Professional Dog Training and Behaviour. Um, it's been in operation since about the 1990s, and... Um, I myself did um, course two for the NDTF, um, probably about 1991, I think. So um, they set up the, the primary course um, way back when, but uh, at that stage I was actually enjoying training my own dog. So um, I opted out of doing the original course and um, subsequently went in and did um, the, the, the second running course that they had. But uh, they, the whole... Um, mandate for the course was they were looking to um, further develop it, to grow it, to um, create something quite unique. And as you said, Josh, it offered a a terrific um, aspect of of, um, balanced training methods to look at everything, to examine everything, not to necessarily um, suggest that everything has to be used, but not to discredit anything, but to um, give people the opportunity to say, look, here's a method um here's a lot of methods actually do you want to use it or uh, is it particularly useful for the dog that you've got in front of you
0: yeah no i was really impressed with that and i also think one of the biggest factors was the sense of community i saw anyway from a lot of the people who had been through the ndtf courses that was something that i saw in each state i went to in australia
2: yeah, there's. Uh, it, it certainly has set up a good grounding for um, for trainers in Australia, as, as um, specifically for the balance system. A lot of the guys and ladies in the uh, that have come through the course, um, like most um, people who belong to some sort of organisation, they develop a, a bit of a kindred spirit, as to speak. Um, they're looking to further their education. they they're, they're uh, interested in. Um, the development of of what's going on in the industry, so it, it does develop a um, a good grounding of people, like I said before, a good grounding of people who are looking to um, uh, further their own education and, and whatever for whatever reason they're doing it for. Some people do it purely out of interest to be a better um, dog handler. Other people want to do it as a to break into the industry other people are already in the industry and want to further their their um qualification or their knowledge um there's people who have actually come through the course that have been trainers for you know 10 plus years who've already been successful in business um, but have got no um, formal qualification who've literally come in and said you know i didn't think i'd learn a lot from this course but i was surprised to learn um that i got a lot of information from it I, I you know a lot of valuable um, information that I didn't think that um, I could learn which in 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 retrospect it's it's interesting to hear that because sometimes I do have people come along and do the course um, and speaking to some of my colleagues in other states in Australia and in, in Victoria um, and likewise in uh, Brisbane um, it's it's quite humbling to see that people are um so enthusiastic and have come away with um, a lot more than what they bargained for. So for us, that's um you know, that's quite a um uh what would you say it's quite a an honor to hear that from people, especially some of their seasoned professionals.
1: I bet. That's pretty cool. Uh so can you talk a little bit more about their the certification? So uh, Josh informed me or I think or there's three levels of certification available?
2: Oh, no. At, at the moment, uh, with the NDTF, there's only one level of certification so available, which is the, the Certificate yeah. 3 in professional dog training and behavior, but they are currently working on uh, a Cert 4, which is more, um, as I understand it, um, because I've got a little bit of insight in it, um, they're looking at developing the cert for for more behavioral type of work. So for people who have done the course, um, who have got that uh, industry um, leg up, I suppose, um, who are now looking for to further develop themselves, yeah, the course would be more focused on, on teaching people um, what to look for behaviorally now. The course itself, the cert3 is a great grounding platform. Looking at giving people, and I guess the best way that I describe it is uh, calling it a—it's um, like a tapas dish when you go to a restaurant. It gives you a little bit of everything, um, and like most courses, I'm sure you gentlemen have been on before in the past. A course that you go and do doesn't actually guarantee you that you're going to instantly come out of it a dog trainer, um, and I—I I pretty much explain that to people on on day one when they come to the course. I guess some criticism that people have said to me in the past about um, courses, about NDTF and so forth, is they say, you know, just because you've done the NDTF course doesn't make you a dog trainer. Totally agree. Just because you've got a PhD doesn't mean you're going to change the world. Um, It's, you know, the real development, and I'm sure both you gentlemen would would, um, agree with this, is that um, it gives you uh, a knowledge basis, but the real training comes from being in the real world like seeing real-world cases from mentoring with people. And I know, Josh, that um, that you've mentored quite a lot of people. I know that uh, your connection in Australia to Mel Sweeney was um, her doing a little mentoring with you online, yeah. um, which is how you formed that bond. For sure. So doing the course, fantastic. Um, I know I've sort of jumped away from your question a little bit, Dave, but um, I just wanted to go on to this a little bit further. But doing the course – absolutely doesn't guarantee that you're going to come away with this as a dog trainer, and some people don't want to. Um, just because they're, they're talking the talk and they're enjoying getting involved in, in topic discussions, it doesn't mean that um, they have any um, desire to want to to want to go off and, and call themselves a professional dog trainer to get their little van all signed, written up, and to get a packet of business cards. Um, they simply love it. They simply have found something that uh, gives them something to... Have a passion about, or feel passionate about, which is it's great. Um, I mean, there was a lady on one of my courses who is a um, astrogeologist. So she sends um, uh, what she sends balloons up into into uh, into outer space. I was going to say into space then, but outer space. She sends balloons up into outer space, and they collect um, fragments of of um, material that is drifting around in the atmosphere. And I, I said to her you know, what do you want to do this for? And she said, I just need something different in my life. I need, you know, like um, it's very much become a job for me because when it when I describe it, it sounds really interesting and fascinating. <laughs> but um, she said, you know, it's it, it has been um, fascinating and interesting. And she said, but, you know, it's I don't feel that um, passionate about it anymore and I'm sort of looking to um, focus my life in something that I do enjoy. And I totally get it. I absolutely totally get it because I started um, myself um, in that same sort of area where I was doing a, a job where I woke up thinking, "I'm just doing this from morning to morning, just getting up, um, you know, having something to eat, um, sitting there like a zombie in the morning, going to work, taking a big shit, and then coming home and then <laughs> starting all over again." Yeah, and. Uh, I, st- I actually stole that from George Carlin. Um, <laughs> I saw him doing that on a comedy skit and I laughed for about four hours over it. Um, so <laughs> I, t- I took that from him. Um, rest in peace, George, you're a legend.
0: <laughs> I can always appreciate a George Carlin reference.
2: Oh, George Carlin. He was. He, I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've watched some of his skits and uh, you know, left the room with tears in my eyes. He's, he's a brilliant man, very clever. <laughs>
0: When you guys are doing the NDT, of course, how much like practical, hands-on dog training is there? Is there a focus on that? Yeah,
2: the the, the course uh, itself focuses. Uh, well, it's it's in Melbourne. It's uh, it's a little bit different than it is in New South Wales and Brisbane. In Melbourne, it's more focused on uh, a bit more full time where the students are um, uh, sort of operating on a home ground sort of environment because melbourne is the um is the head office oh, okay. in new south wales and brisbane uh it's a um, it's a, a course where they're doing a lot of the theory online but they're coming to myself and the trainer in brisbane called uh, who's a guy called david uh, himself and um they do a two-week practical course which is in one week blocks so each block goes for eight days uh, and what they, what we basically do is we decipher the theory for them and put it into um, a, a practical sense. So we discuss what they've been learning because literally when they're sitting in the room with us, they look like um, deers in the headlight. Really? They're sitting there, um, their eyes are... Um, a, a wide open, they're sort of sitting there with a bit of a shock look, you know, like I don't understand this uh, and they're a little afraid to say so and a little intimidated to say so, So, which is what we discuss with them on, on opening day. We literally sit down and say, I understand that you've read all this text I understand some of you haven't been to um, school for a while and some of you may have and some of you may be um, students who understand psychology and behaviour and you may be well and truly more advanced on what the course is going to offer but nonetheless we're going to put it in perspective by um, applying the practical um, side of it, which is literally what we do. We get them out and um, well, we sit down with them first, we go over the theory, uh, and then we start uh, edging them into the practical side. So once we've um, got them out and uh, we've introduced them to the dog, we start doing um, some acquisition work with them where we start teaching them how to apply a marker with the, with the training. So we teach them what it is, how it works, and what it should look like. So we start bond development with the dogs um, by using the, the marker, the clicker, or um, the verbal um, marker, which is yes. And we just teach them, go out on the field, develop some bond with your dog, um, do some acquisition training, uh, keep it fairly bland, keep it neutral, and just start rewarding the dog and start building that uh, association so we can start getting a Pavlovian response from the dog. Once we're doing that, we move into other aspects such as um guiding so we're teaching them how to physically manage a dog showing them um and even though i'm going to use the word uh compulsion um i teach them that compulsion's not the, the dirty buzzword that people believe it is mm-hmm. um by literally showing them that if um if i um help somebody up from a chair i'm compelling them to do so by grabbing their hand and lifting them up so i said you know a lot of people will try and um
0: Associate
2: that word. Sorry, go ahead.
0: Demonize.
2: Yeah, they do. They absolutely demonize it. They're, you, you know, I, I saw um, on a blog post that you did on your webpage, Josh, that you talk about buzzwords that people use in training. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a lot of trainers like to bamboozle people by using buzzword, and there's a lot of industry people who like to um, criticize people by, you know, demonizing and using these same sort of words in a context that suits them to vilified people so the the whole world word compulsion um just like the word punishment um you know is is vastly misunderstood which we explain to people because you know punishment is for better for worse still a motivator um which we explain to students and when we talk about the whole balance system and as you gentlemen know i mean you're scholars of of um a balanced variety yourself. You, you know that yeah. um, it, it doesn't sit very popular with certain groups of people. Um,
0: <laughs> sure,
2: they sure. they um, have quite an issue with it and they're quite vocal and quite um, violent in their representation of their, their chosen um, method to, to train dogs. Um, however, I must specify, and I absolutely know that uh, you guys all will, will um, fall into this category as well, None of us got into this job to hurt dogs. Um, No, absolutely not. The whole reason I got into the the role of of training dogs was to uh, enhance their lives, to make it better. Um, I mean, I'm a a dog man through and through. Um, You know, there's dogs in my house, there's dogs in my yard. I live at a boarding kennel where there's um, currently there's over 150 dogs here at the moment. Um, oh. You know, I've woken up um, wow. day and night from, from dogs. I have to go out there and deal with issues and behaviour problems. I mean, I literally live, breathe and eat dogs. I don't eat them.
0: Sorry. That's
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You I heard it
0: eat, here. Um, I eat with them, but I don't eat them. Australians <laughs> are super weird. Weird. weird we, <laughs> kind of, down yeah. Down. We are people and, and we sort of, we
2: love and embrace that culture. <laughs> of <So laughs> eating dogs? You guys are pretty crazy too.
0: You guys have got your own
2: weirdness about
0: Oh, oh we're, I'm well aware. We're in the know. <laughs> uh, you, won't, you
1: won't find many weirder than us. Yeah. Or more weirder. Good. I'm, yeah. I'm in good company then. Oh, for sure. So these dogs that the, the students are working with, are they their own mm. personal dogs? Or are they uh, pulled from a shelter to, to get some training and hopefully become then adoptable? So it's kind of, I guess, killing two birds with one stone, if you will?
2: Yeah, great question. Um, we utilize, uh, we have some client dogs here. So when people have got their, uh, their dogs coming to stay at the boarding kennel, um, so we work at a, um, a boarding kennel in New South Wales called, um, I'm going to shamelessly plug it, but it's called plug it. Australia. Plug it, plug it, but plug it, bl- plug it, yep. Yeah. But, um, so we've got, um. We've got uh, clients who, who board their dogs here, and uh, we, if they're if they're staying within the time frame that the students are doing the course, we ring them up and uh, basically say to them, "Look, we've got a, a student course happening here um, on these dates. Um, the students would love to um, uh, handle a few dogs. Uh, would you be up for it? it?" It basically means that they get more stimulation, that they get um, a lot of enrichment training, and we go through what the course offers and. Literally, everybody we ring says, "Hell yes, um, you know, I'm down for <laughs> that." You know, no. it's it's free training. It's right? you know, and their dogs getting um, a massively enriched lifestyle where they're there, which we try and encourage people to you know, when they're putting their dogs in for for boarding anyway, that um, any type of. Um, enrichment where it's having um, activity with one of our trainers or or one of the staff where they're doing extra exercise it's not just a a, a con to get people to spend more money it actually reduces the stress significantly in the animals which is one great aspect um, that we can offer our our clients Um, the other side Dave which you were talking about was um was uh, rescue dogs. We we are partnered with a few rescue organisations uh, where who are absolutely fantastic people, um, lovely men and ladies that um, uh, are very passionate about their role in um, in rescue. And um, you know, I, I know uh, I heard you guys talking with your colleague about uh, when you were talking about BJJ and um, dog training in general, and you were talking about how. Um, the rescue industry really is a, a, a difficult and, and quite a, an emotional industry, mm-hmm. and um, so I take my hat off to anybody uh, who has um, involvement in, in rescue because I know it's a it's a hell of a job, and I see how emotionally invested people actually get into it. And I know I'm sort of leading away from the question again, which I'm getting back to. But <laughs> um, sorry, but uh, with um, so with the rescue dogs, um, as I was, as we we're talking before. Yes, we do have uh, rescue dogs that, that are available for the course as well. So um, we, we speak to the ladies in the, uh, and gentlemen in the rescue uh, groups, and we basically tell them we've got a course. Um, you know, like if your dogs would love to come in, they can stay here for free, and uh, we're happy to do some enrichment training with them as well, which hopefully will um, enhance their ability to be adopted. Uh, sometimes uh, we will actually get students who fall in love with a the dog. Um, they, they are in a position to keep them, and um, they go further and find out how they can actually uh, take on or adopt the dog, which um, has been quite successful in the past, and it's, it's um, extremely gratifying for um, both the people in rescue uh, and for us as well.
0: That's super rad.
2: That makes me It happy. is. It's pretty cool.
0: Do you have to be an Australian to take the NDTF course?
2: Uh, We've—I um, don't know a hundred percent if you still do. Um, we've had students from um, other countries before. We've had people that have come over from um, Sweden, and and uh, we had—we used to have. Uh, uh, quite a few Japanese students that were coming over to do the course when we had it set up um, for international students. So I'm not uh, I, I don't think we um, or I don't think the NDTF has a um, an agreement with the government for international students at this point in time but I, I believe that if you're in Australia during that time on a, on a work visa or something like that I'm absolutely sure that it could be arranged but um, I, can, I can give you all the details to um, for any of your guys who want to listen to uh, see if there is somebody suitable to speak to that can answer that question better for you because unfortunately i can't
0: so god damn it glenn god uh... i know, I know <laughs> I, I <laughs> just one...
2: the oracle of all knowledge in dtf unfortunately
1: <laughs> one of the one of the most difficult questions i get almost i would say on a weekly basis is so how long you've been doing this for and to me, that question, the reason it's so difficult for me to answer is that there's no sort of accreditation of, of who I am as a dog trainer other than I walk up to a, a waiting room and I say, hey, come on back, right? And then it's like, so how long have you been doing this? And usually the answer is, you yeah, know, a couple of years now, right? Because I feel as if I don't have a leg to stand on and there's, there's nothing at my back saying like, hell yeah, like, look, check this shit out. I got it hanging on my wall. I'm a, I'm a certified dog trainer. And do you find that the, the, the students coming out of, or the graduates rather coming out of the class have a a certain confidence about them? And do you feel that that confidence is necessary to, to really help with clients in general or just the overall being of a, of a trainer?
2: That's, uh, uh, that's 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 um, that's a really important topic and it's um, I, I think that to, to best answer that is to start by saying that knowledge is king and sure. I think that um, well I know that being in the industry as long as I have I've met a lot of people who have been in the industry um, probably just as long or if not longer who have developed a system that they've probably done for it's probably taken them six months to sort of muster about. And they've literally spent the next 20 years just sort of getting by on that same sort of system. So they haven't further developed themselves or grown in any way, shape or form. Um, you know, it's simply become just a, um, a way of, of making an income for them. So they become very tired and very um, shallow in their offering and in their role. And yet I've met people who have been in the industry Um, only for a couple of years, who are absolutely brilliant. Um, They're very, very uh, enthusiastic with what they're doing. They're very learned with what they're they're doing. They're constantly looking to try and and improve themselves. They're constantly looking to to redevelop themselves or or, um, discover a better way to train dogs. Uh, And again, to answer your question, Dave, is... um, how do students feel after they've done the course i think that once they um from from the feedback i've got once they're they're informed and once they um they feel that they've got a grasp of what they need to do they certainly walk out of there and they walk tall Um, i mean i get literally um and i mean i've i've trained hundreds of students in the ndtf hundreds and hundreds of them and after the end of the course, I get people, you know, and, and people are very emotional when they're doing this course because uh, at the end of their block two, they've actually got to do a practical assessment um, with myself where they've got to be... Um, they've got a certain criteria they need to pass before I can um, um, mark them as, as satisfactory for doing the course and passing the practical material. And, you know, we get, we get uh, tears of frustration, fears, tears of joy... Um, but uh, I would say that, you know, in the ninety percent, I get students coming up to me and they just say, you know, look, thanks so much. I've I've learned so much. I've I've, um, you know, like hearing the experience, hearing the the um, industry specific stories and so forth, and the the relevant case studies has really given me an insight and woken me up and um and actually being able to handle dogs and add dogs and be critiqued on my handling and and watching other students with their handling and, and their um critiquing it's it's given me an idea of of uh, of what i need to do and where i need to start so it's it is, a, it is a question that, that many people will pose to people in this industry. A lot of people are going to say to you, you know, how long have you been in the industry for? They're going to want to suss you out. I mean, you would ask a surgeon that question if they, you know, you, they went in to do a vasectomy on you and so forth and you've got some <laughs> random dude handling your balls. You're going to say, uh, how long have you been doing this for? Um, you know, because uh, I would be comfortable with somebody that just sort of got out of grad school and... Um, you know they were they were keen to do it, but I was their first person on the table. So it's it's a relevant question. I I appreciate that. And, I would uh,
0: uh, I would never get tattooed by somebody who has not been tattooed, and somebody who is oh, yeah. you know not experienced the entire uh, process. And, and I guess that's not as applicable to the vasectomy thing. But I think uh, as far as dog <laughs> training, that craft is is really analogous because. There's many, many organizations out there that will give accreditations in the United States, but not, in my opinion, enough of them that require practical or hands-on work with the dogs that's directly overseen by somebody who has experience and is knowledgeable about the subject.
2: Mm. Yeah, there there are uh, uh, other courses around um, that are local and... Um, International that I've I've discussed this topic with quite thoroughly, and they have said to me that um, even though it's offering a equal or higher uh, accreditation as an end result, the level of practical handling was, was very disappointing. Um, they said that um, you know that, that the feedback that I've received was that it, it instead of being a a course which offered education. It became somewhat of a, a lecture about uh, a system that they must comply with, um, which is something that I guess that I've always tried to steer away with when I'm working with students is not about lecturing them about one way to do it. It's about coming to a discovery of what's best for the dog at the end of the day. And I think that any person that's involved in any school of dog training, any, uh, any discipline of dog training, um, if they're if they're looking at what's best for the dog, see, I've got a real bug up my butt with people who um, basically have a system um, which it's a system which basically um, puts dogs to death. So mm-hmm. if the dog fails the system that uh, that's been taught to them. Their method of dealing with it is to say, I think this dog needs to be euthanized. Yeah. And I'm, I'm quite confused about that and quite conflicted about that. And I know many, many other people are that, um, you know, they're, they're, they believe that um, the dog either needs to be extremely medicated or it needs to be euthanized. And I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss to, to come to terms with that when I see many of these dogs. Um, And I know that um, colleagues of mine have seen many of these dogs and we've been able to successfully, and we're talking, not talking days after, we're talking years after um, having a a few consultations and and, uh, working in with a a workable solution with the dog, that it's actually managed to save dogs' lives. And at the end of the day, guys, um, I'm sure the reason we all got in this was to save lives. To um, to enhance lives, to make it um, a more enjoyable relationship, because after all, we're all trying to look for a better way to communicate, um, and having that sort of system which which blocks people from doing that, and it is it's very um, confrontational because people are basically said if you don't work this system, then you can't be a part of this system, you can't enjoy the um, the um, camaraderie of this system, you aren't allowed to, um, associate with the people within this system. Um, and I, I find that quite, um, quite disheartening that, um, people are conditioned themselves. I mean, we talk about conditioning and training and how we condition behaviors, but people once again become conditioned themselves to, um, fall, uh, victim to this type of thinking. Um, and they're very much, um, They're very much conflicted in their own um, ideology, I guess, because they look at it and they think, well, I know probably this isn't the best way to do it, but I don't want to fall out with the people that I'm being educated by or I'm being mentored by. Sure. And um, we very much are, are trying to stop that that, um, that system of thinking where we're basically giving people an idea that you need to be broad-minded, you need to... Uh, open your mind. And that's one quote that I often tell students when I'm starting the course is, a mind is like a parachute. It works best when it's open. Corny um, saying,
0: I know, (laughs) but I love it. I love it. It works. uh, And I think that type of mentality is incredibly, incredibly important to have. Um, There's this uh, Buddhist poem that my friend sent me. And one of the lines is it. uh, remember there are a few of which you can learn nothing from and I think that's something that a lot of people tend to neglect uh, and I've seen it on both sides of the table I guess so you know I, I have to be fair in that regard but earlier today I went and did an appointment with uh, a couple who have two dogs a younger one-year-old you know mix and a four-year-old dog they've been fighting in the house and that can be you know in a lot of cases tough to remedy but with these two dogs they had had another trainer come to the house and the trainer told them they should have gotten rid of their dog of 4 plus years because it kept attacking the other one when i got there we're talking about a overly exuberant almost no control on this very young dog which is literally bouncing off the wall you know, kicking the door jumping on the couch jumping all over the other dog it's like, no, no, this is not a oh, you have to get rid of the dog like your dog needs to learn some self-control and chill out but I think when you have such a rigid idea of how dog training is supposed to go you sometimes are going to misdiagnose a situation as unhelpable because at a certain point there's circumstances you're not willing to to address you know yeah
2: look a hundred percent um yeah i couldn't agree with that more i think that um that philosophy doesn't only lie with dog training but it's a it's a great philosophy for life and mm-hmm. you know i i love that that quote that you uh, just said before the your buddhist quote i think that um you know some of the the best schooling that i've ever had is has been unexpected <laughs> um it's come from people that i i ha- haven't expected to have learned anything from and um i find that the older i get the more patient i get with people and um I've learned some fantastic things, and students in my course teach me things all the time, and I'm very open to it. I want people to um, continue to teach me. I'm very enthusiastic, um, and I, I think that the great thing about maturing and getting older is that I'm I'm more um, I'm becoming wiser to the fact that uh, I don't know everything, and I never will. Um, and I and I I love hearing that about other people as well when I can see them and they've got. Uh, it, you know, a mind like a sponge. They just, they just want to take in information. I was, um, I was talking to a group of my students recently after I watched a, um, a, a I think it was a movie or a documentary on, on Bruce Lee, who was another great philosopher about life. And it showed him talking to a group of students who wanted to come in and learn his Jeet Kune Do system when he first developed it. And he gave each student a, a, a cup of water And he was walking along and he was pouring water into their cup as he was talking to them. And uh, he was excusing the students as he was going down the line saying, you're not ready for my teaching, you're not ready for my teaching. And there was about half a dozen of them on the other end of the line who all dumped the water out of their cup when he saw them coming. And as he was pouring water into their cup, he said, you you gentlemen can stay. And he basically said to them, if your cup's already full, how can I teach you anymore? And it's very much a, a great philosophy um, which I see with a lot of people is they stand there with their arms crossed. Um, they've already made up their mind on what they're going to take away from this. And that's very disappointing to see in people. Whereas where I see people, um, you know, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, their, um, their mind is open, their arms are open, their heart's open, It's it really is remarkable. And... Um, I guess, um, respectively, I don't want to be that type of person too. I want to be the type of person who, who's not um, listening with the intent to reply to somebody. Um, and I think that that's uh, a, a poor human behavior that we often have, and I'm guilty of it myself. I've never, ever been a person that says, um, you know, I'm a perfect person, follow me and do everything I say. I'm not trying to... Um, churn out a bunch of people like me what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to help and assist people to become better than me I want to uh, I want to look back and and you know I think it's great for your ego too when you can look back when you're older <laughs> and say you know there's somebody that I gave a head start to there's somebody that I I, I helped them and, and look at them now they're they uh, you know they've done it they're successful they've gone off and 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 uh, researched and done things and you know, it's it's wonderful to see that, and they they may never give you any credit for that. They may may never say to you, you know, thank you for the head start or thank you for starting me off. But you don't really need that. You don't need to. Um, you don't need to receive that gratification. I think if you're comfortable enough with yourself, you can look at it and you can say, you know, I I, I was there. I did it. I had had a had a um, a moment into it. I have been fortunate though um, that uh, um, many people have had. Um, have shown me some appreciation in the past and said thanks for thanks for your help and you know thanks for um, answering my questions when I send you a message and I I'm sure you guys feel the same sort of gratification sure. um, and again I you know I know it's an ego thing but I, I it's it, it is nice it's it, um, it sort of um, rewards you for sticking in the industry it rewards you for for um, still being passionate about what
0: you're doing. Yeah, I was just going to say, I don't necessarily think it's just an ego thing. But it's certainly, uh, I I know for a fact, my girlfriend, my girlfriend would agree. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) it has something to do with ego. But I think it is also one of the biggest kind of um, rewards we can get from the thousands of hours reading sometimes incredibly dry research papers, books on different techniques and consistently being obsessed with this craft. I think it is sometimes undervalued the help we bring to people. You know, we talk about the, ch- the miraculous changes we see in dogs, but in many cases we are invited inside people's homes to like give them and their families instruction. And I think that's incredibly important Uh, in my life anyway I I really value seeing people be able to get more control over their companions in their homes becoming more comfortable being able to kind of relax a bit more understand that hey listen there's nothing wrong with you nothing wrong with the dog here's how we can help get everybody on the same page I think that's for me anyway that's that's one of the the better things about the craft yeah I yeah again I have to agree with that I mean
2: it's um, the investment of hours and hours and hours of reading of of um, educating yourself of attending seminars
0: um, of, watching YouTube um, videos three inches away from videos. the screen yeah. like what the hell was what is that he doing with his hand I don't understand. <laughs>
2: How does she do that with a ping-pong ball? <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> um, I think there's the wrong type of YouTube clip. <laughs> but, um, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, the investment of time is incredible. It is, um, I mean, it is a, um, it's certainly a, an art of passion um because there have been times where i think to myself what am i doing this for <laughs> uh, you know especially when i um uh, when i start getting into online discussions with with people oh, and it boy. turns into you know quite a colorful exchange and i think to myself you know why do i want to associate with these people sometimes but um again i'm i'm probably um crossing over into the people that i don't want to be like um the people who uh, um, have this rigidity in in their in their belief and it's cog- it's it it falls under that address of cognitive dissonance. but each party is um, accusing each other of it they're saying well you know you're accusing me of being something which I'm literally reflecting back at you and saying well you're equally um, closed minded to uh, yeah. our philosophy mm-hmm. so you know you you touched on it before Josh where you said you know like you, you you still have to look at everything and uh, I certainly do I, I mean you know I, I sit patiently and I listen to people and and that's um, that's what I guess our clients don't understand or, or don't um, uh, take into consideration sometimes when they're buying our time when they're investing in um, the time and the skills of a professional trainer is how much work Many of us have actually put into this how passionate we actually are, and it's. There are many people um, that I, I, I've seen in the industry as well that, unfortunately, don't fall in that category where they've literally done, um, uh, a very, poor job of their education, and yet they've marketed themselves as an industry professional. Um, they will, you know, you know, get their little van out. Um, get it all prettily um, sign written uh, prettily is that a word? I don't think it, yep. is. Yeah, yeah, it is yeah it is yeah. totally we'll do for this. it'll do yeah, for yeah. But yeah. they yeah, get is. their man sign written they get their <laughs> website going and they get out there and uh, you know they're literally hitting up clients for maximum dollar and giving very little credibility to the industry when they uh, are, are giving out very poor advice but you don't know what you don't know some people, sure. Sure uh, you know, uh, this is their first introduction to a professional trainer. Uh, as you guys touched on it before, uh, probably better than I did, it's the same if you go to a tattooist and mm. um, you you have a belief that this person who's going to put some art down on your skin is um, industry qualified, they've met all the standards, they've got the practice behind them. And, uh, you know, hopefully you'd want to do a little bit of homework before you put that level of trust in somebody. And it, the same applies with getting a dog trained from, by a person as well. You'd want to um, do a little homework and, and do a research and get some feedback from other people in the industry or even get a um, um, some form of recommendation from a friend or colleague to say, I've had this person out. What they did with my dog was exceptional. And... Um, I, I give so much credit to people who have invested that time, who have put in those long hours and the legwork and the trudging up and down the fields and training in all seasons and putting up with the early starts and the late finishes and coming home with sore backs and sore hands and so forth. And you know, it's it's a it's quite a task, but it's once again I address it. It's a it's a um, it's something that we do from passion. You know, I. I I'm drawn to it. I know you gentlemen are drawn to it. Um, I've, I've left the industry before out of frustration with the people in the industry, but I've been drawn back to it. I've just thought to myself, my enjoyment with, with training dogs, with with um, working with students, with um, attending seminars, is uh, it's too high. I mean, I feel that life without it would be quite depressing.
1: I can agree Fuck with that. Fuck, yeah. It would be terrible. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> One no. thing you've you touched on that, you know, I for me is a huge thing is when I speak to people um, regarding dog training, speaking to other trainers specifically at this point is I I listen to them and I look at them, I read their body language. Of course, that's what we do, but you can tell the people that sort of lack that passion. Um, The dog training to me is the most emotional thing I've ever done, right? There's nothing, no job is more emotional, right? You're making that emotional connection with the dog, the clients, and you're trying to make the clients understand that, you know, the emotional connection you can have with your dog, there's so much more available to them. And um, you're speaking of passion, and I think that, uh, to me, with the advancement of social media and the amount of dog trainers pumping, I I don't want to say shit, but shit. (laughs) You know what I mean? On Facebook, like, fucking look at me. Uh, You know, I can do anything. Cool right the, the saturation of that almost to me eliminates the passion like if you're doing this if you're making 6 second videos of this that and the other thing when are you training dogs passionately when are you putting thought into your training rather than okay this dog's pulling on a leash let's teach him how to walk on a prong collar properly you know why aren't we thinking about that why aren't we talking about it instead of pushing shit that sounds almost a little bit uh, prison-like, but I meant uh, pumping out shit. <laughs> well, well this, this got weird quick. The emotional. <laughs> You're the first person to speak uh, yeah. to to actually mention the word passion about the podcast. I mean, those of the those of the other folks we've had on the podcast. <laughs> I don't know. I can't fucking salvage this part. <laughs> It was a good, it was a good question. So Look what you did, did you little jerk! <laughs> I thought it was good until I started talking about pushing shit.
2: Sorry guys, I lost it there. there. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! Yeah, well. no, it was a good laugh. That was a good laugh. <laughs>
0: That's why we keep him around, this guy.
2: Yeah, he's he's a good, he's a keeper. <laughs>
0: Let's
2: go from serious to shit pushing, real quick. Yeah, yeah. mind if I push a stool in for you? <laughs> uh, I, uh, I, I know the the listeners at home probably can't see this, but uh, you've obviously got some new art on your arm there. Mm. you got it all.
1: Yeah, I, um, I, I literally just came from the tattoo shop, um, and I had, I don't know if you can see it very well, but I had the inside of my elbow and the back of my elbow tattooed, which for any of the listeners who are tattooed on their arms from shoulder to wrist can certainly mm. sympathize with me or empathize with the fact that my elbow is swollen quite. and hurts yeah.
0: quite a bit. Empathize is yeah. more appropriate because nobody sympathizes with yeah, Nobody I mean, He chose, chose to get the it. tattoo. I paid right? for it too. it's not like somebody held him down against his will and tattooed him. No. That's right. He gave a man word. money to hurt me. To hurt him. No. So, so <laughs> I don't feel that bad. He paid an artful dominatrix, yeah. is what he did.
1: Nice. <laughs> and he ignored my support, yes. so great. that's great.
0: I like where we're going with this. <laughs> um,
2: so, Dave, getting back on your um, point you made before, um, I think that some people have become more masterful in marketing than they have in training dogs. Amen. Uh, yeah, I think that their, their ability to market themselves... And to be able to convince people, um, I, to be honest, and I, you know, I want to say this without sounding bitter or or, or adding vinegar to it, but no, nope. pour the vinegar. There are a lot of people um, who have elevated themselves to that level of mastery simply on marketing, simply on um, creating a belief in people's minds that they are far better than what they are. And I say it time and time again, and people are absolutely convinced that the person that they're selling, the person that they're uh, endorsing, has this magical art about them, that they are remarkable, that they are the best. And again, I I touched on it before where I said, I think that people don't know what they don't know. They're so busy being um, a a part of this institutionalised thinking that they're not willing to remove themselves from out. They're not willing to look without, um, from, from our, an outsider's point of view, they're, they're, um, very much remained within to think that, um, I simply got the best. Um, but who are you comparing the best to? Like the best compared to what? Yeah. And that's a question I ask people, but again, you know, uh, uh, to, um, re dig it out again, the word cognitive dissonance, they are, they'll fight to the death over it. They are fully, convinced that um what they've got is far better than what they can get so they're they're happy and i guess if if you've found um a sense of happiness somewhere well far be it from me or anybody else to tell you not to be happy
1: i mean as as it's dog delusional trainers, but sure it's <laughs> happiness, well absolutely and, and you know like i said before dog, dog trainers as people i would i would say are probably some of the most um emotional passionate and self-doubting people right every day you learn something new which immediately makes you start doubting some shit you learned four months ago you know well i thought that happened when that happened but now this can happen right so where was i where am i going with this and it's it's tough to i explain to clients a lot you know, and it sounds almost terrible from the from an outsider's perspective. I would think is that, you know, I say, listen, you just gotta feel it, right? Like, I want you, I'm teaching your dog how to walk on a leash. I'm right now. I want you to pick up this leash and just feel it, right? There's nothing I can tell you like hold the leash at the forty seven degree angle to really get a, an appropriate correction towards your thigh, right? I just say, here's the leash, like just feel your dog, right? Feel the dog through the leash and just walk. Like, see what you can do. And to me, the client that looks at me and goes, I got you. I know what you're talking Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the clients that are like, oh, shit. Like, this is going to be pretty cool. And then it's the clients who are like, well, where should I put my left hand? Like, should it be resting above my hip? Or should it be below my hip and like, two inches from my thigh? It's like, let's... You just almost want to say, hey, like, let's get out of our heads a little bit and just look at what's in front of us. Because you and I aren't here for any other reason than to help you with this young pup you have
2: yeah it's very much a a revelation for people um and you're right uh, you know i mean you can spend one session with somebody or you can spend ten and it's not until uh the person actually discovers and and um uh, sort of Develops a feeling for what they're doing and once they do that, they're literally unstoppable with with training new skills and and Communicating better with their dog, but until that time, you know, it's it's literally like trying to speak a different language I mean, you know, you're starting off with very Elementary skills in trying to ask, you know, how do I get to the bus? Where's my hotel? Uh, when you're speaking <laughs> some form of a different language, and it's the same thing when we're training dogs, and it's the same thing when we're training handlers. I mean, retrospectively, guys, we're, as you guys know, we're we're uh, we're people trainers. We're spending a vast majority of our time educating um, the general public on how to be better do- or how to communicate with their animals better, and it's 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 a hard job to do sometimes. Um, some people are simply uh, vacant when they will pay you very <laughs> richly to have them come around, and, uh, you know, you'll drive around their house, they'll, they'll, they'll um, you know, shower you with money and they'll keep getting you your back. But you, there's been times where I'm thinking, I don't know what to tell you anymore because you don't seem to be listening to me. You're nodding your head, but your interest is in something else. Yeah. And um, where there's other people who I <clears throat> literally um, sit down with a lesson for them, They've got, you know, they say, can I record this? Can I get my notepad? Absolutely, you can, 100%, whatever you want. However I can help you get the message through to your dog, let's go ahead and do that. And when I know that I've got a a client or a a student that's doing that type of thing, I know that I'm dealing with somebody who really, really wants the information. They really want to get involved in it. And their passion level at that point in time is is, um, extremely high itself, which is in itself is extremely gratifying.
0: It's infectious as well, I think. It, is, it is really infectious. reignites my own passion. And I guess that's, you know, I, I see it most often in, in enthusiastic clients or if I'm doing a workshop or something of the sort where I'm getting to work with people who are really excited about what they're doing. It always makes me want to go train dogs.
2: Mm. Yeah. Well, you spent time with um, with Bart Bellen um, doing a
0: seminar with him, I believe, didn't you, Josh? A few times, Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, I, I, did the, um, I did the Silver School course with him. Um, a, a friend of mine, Pat Stewart, um, organized it um, here in Australia.
0: With and his battle spaniel.
2: But, yes, with his battle springer, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Pat, same Pat. And um, Bart is, um, you know, as we know, he's, he, Bart is an extreme thinker. Yeah. Um, he's um, he's an incredible guy. He's like a, a mad scientist. He's he's just tinkering with the next invention, looking to you know he's he'll build something great, and he's already looking how to to build it better. Which I um, Bart woke something up inside me when I went and did his course, um, and I have to say that shamefully I was a little bit dormant myself um, up until that point in time. But Bart sort of. Um, he kickstarted something within me, and you pinched the word just before Josh, which is the word ignition. Mm-hmm. And um, he gave me that spark, and that spark sort of ignited something within me. I, I've since coming away from there. Uh, one of the best things I got from being with Bart was um, it. It just kickstarted all these great ideas in my head, and it became infectious for me. And suddenly, I started realising. You know, there's so much more I got to say. There's so much more I've, I've, I really want to do in this industry. I, I, I'm, um, it was, it was a little overwhelming at the start, to be honest. I was sort of pacing around the room like a caged tiger, thinking, um, you know, where is this? Where are these feelings coming from? You know, I haven't felt this, this invigorated for such a long time.
0: It's called puberty. But, um, <laughs> it's called like... Puberty.
2: Puberty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a late bloomer. What can I
0: say?
2: <laughs> hey, I'm a Randy guy. I'm, I, <laughs> I admit
0: it. do I know it?
2: <laughs> you do. You, you lived at my house for a while. Yeah,
0: it did. <laughs> no, I did. No, which was
2: kind of ironic that you came over to America to um, to uh, be over here, and the day that uh, after you arrived, I was going to America to learn dog training stuff.
0: Yeah. Huh. No, it was it was perfect. Which was
2: it was. It wasn't perfect. It was actually disappointing. I was hoping to spend more time with you. We were having. Um, we sort of uh, kicked it off great, and I was having a great time listening from you. And I really enjoyed the day that I got to spend at your seminar. It was. It was brilliant. Oh, thanks, can, man. Can I tell you something? My staff. My staff here at work, Josh, still rave about the time they spent with you. They. They got a hell of a lot out of it.
0: Oh shit, man! That's excellent. Thanks. I. I want to let you in on a little. Your secret. staff is, excellent. Thank you. I they, love those fuckers
2: hopefully they'll listen to this podcast and and they will uh they will get that feedback
1: excellent what's uh how much of a how big
0: of a staff
2: do you have uh it depends on the time of year um,
0: there's like a thousand got... of them
2: really? that's what
0: right, sorry <laughs> I said there's like a thousand of them
2: oh uh, we've got um it depends on the type of uh, time of year that we've got we've got uh, low season and high season here. Um, so low season is outside of holiday times, like school holidays and Christmas, Easter and so forth. Um, high season obviously falls within that time. So we can have, um, we've got several uh, pet resorts that we we operate out of. We've got admin staff, we've got van drivers, we've got um, four professional trainers that are working for us. Um, we've got groomers, um, we've got um, uh kennel attendants and uh we've got admin staff and uh, myself and our employer um dave who's uh, absolutely terrific guy and gives me literally carte blanche to see uh, do and see what i need to do at, at um at pet resorts to to get it running he's keeps his um he doesn't micromanage um he's absolutely wonderful guy i can't can't speak highly of him enough
1: that's killer but
2: uh yeah, it's good. It's, I mean, I mean, you guys know when you've got a, a friendship and a, a and a partnership with somebody that's that's um, highly successful. I mean, it, there's no dollar figure you can put on that. It um, it just makes it um, an incredible um, place to come to work. I mean, it's like everything. Uh, Everything that you do is has its degree of stress, everything. Sure. You can't go from one job to another and, and still not have uh, a level of stress that's going to be involved in it, and that certainly happens here as well. But working with people that I like and respect um, makes it extremely um in, in, enjoyable i mean it, it it's another one of those things that enhances my life and makes it all the better to be able to and, uh, i mean i've got great staff here and you, you, you know we're talking about learning platforms i've got staff here that that teach me things all the time you know i don't interfere with their way of doing things because they can do it better than me they actually show me they've got a faster way or a more efficient way to do it um, we all have um, workshops where we discuss things and we want to learn from each other, but um, you know, I, at, at the moment uh, it's, I, I'd be picking at straws to find things that they're doing wrong they're, they're um, great men and women I really respect them.
1: That's really cool, I was just going to disappoint them and tell them that Josh isn't that cool he tried to <laughs> choke me this morning and it wasn't that cool <laughs> mm-hmm. and he's, he's actually not awesome and I'm doing this against my will
2: <laughs> Do you guys, um, are you guys clothed when this is happening, or...? It's uh, none of your some,
0: goddamn well, business. Yeah,
2: well, no, it's everybody's business. <laughs> sometimes
1: <laughs> sometimes I'm wearing the shortest of shorts, and he may just have some tights on. Or, I mean, the other day, I believe we were both wearing a pair of tights. We were both wearing, like,
0: weird bathrobes. Yeah. There's,
2: there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, guys. If, <laughs> you know, like, if you guys, like, rolling around on the floor with each other, or, well, far it from me that... To say anything bad about it, I think it's wonderful that you're that close.
0: That's that's why we like you, Glenn. That's you yeah. No judgments. No judgments here.
2: No judgment. No I, judgment. You know, we like to roll around and
1: choke
0: each other. It's
2: fantastic. Yeah. That's that's really cute.
0: <laughs> I wish people could have seen the look on your face when you said that. <laughs> so outside of dogs, you are, from what I understand, a uh, pretty enthusiastic motorcyclist correct absolutely um,
2: it's uh, it's one of those other avenues that I find um, release and passion in um, especially times where I am experiencing levels of stress that are sort of starting to build up um, there's there's for me there's no greater feeling than, than getting on the bike ripping the throttle and just letting that the day blow away out of your head. It's, um, it really is an amazing feeling. And um, I'm fortunate enough to have a good group of, of riding buddies that, um, you know, we, we uh, laugh and we, we, we ride quite intensely together. I mean, we love getting up into the hills and hitting the, the twists and, and really tearing through it. And you talked about puberty before, Josh, which is quite funny. I think that I actually in my 40s I had a, um, a, a second puberty um i had a very very controlling <laughs> grandmother as a child um who would literally guilt trip me about everything that i did as as um a young child and even as a as an adult you know she would always constantly say to me if you do this um you know you, you'll you'll cause me to suffer i'll have a heart attack i'll have a stroke you'll put me in the hospital so um which was quite unfair of her to do so i mean she was doing it from a good place but it wasn't um it, it wasn't a, a good thing at all it's um it uh, regressed me from doing a lot of things that I really, really would have liked to en- enjoy as a younger guy. But, I mean, you know, I didn't start um, really getting into my motorcycling until I turned 40. Um, same thing for diving. I, I um, My other uh, passion is uh, diving and, and in particularly diving with sharks. And, oh, I've um, seen
0: a bunch I've, of footage of that, man. I was nope. super jealous of you. Nah. Get a dive oh, around for sure. Awesome.
2: awesome. So it, it is, uh, and, and to, be, to be totally fair, I had an inherent fear of sharks. Uh, again, you know, it was pretty much my grandmother's doing. She was, uh, she was one of those people who conditioned me as a child to be frightened of having a go at things. Um, but, you know, I mean, you can't let fear hold you back. And uh, the first time I got in the water and I was doing a dive and they said there was a shark in the water, man, I nearly wanted to walk on water. <laughs> you know, uh, I, was, uh, I was, I was, pretty scared. I've got to tell you when, um, when they told me and when I saw it, when I actually saw the size of the shark and how little it was and that it absolutely had no interest in what I was doing. I mean, seriously, I wouldn't do crazy stuff like get in the water with a white pointer outside a cage, but, um, you know, the, the. That I do my homework like I suggest most people do when they're doing anything is that I speak to the people who are running the, the, uh, the dive operations and running the, the shark feeds themselves. And, you know, I mean, their safety record is impeccable. These people are true professionals. And, I mean, they, they, I mean, you know, the fact that some of these guys have got 50,000 dives or something mad like that Damn. and they're literally been diving God. all their life... And um, they come up with all their limbs and no scars on their body, and yet they're, they're down there feeding schools of sharks from their hands. It's, um, you know, I mean, there's, there's some confidence in that itself. A lot of people say to me, what if it goes wrong? What if it goes wrong? Well, you know, I mean, there's countless amounts of people throughout life who have, um, you know, choked on their dinner. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, that went wrong for them. Yeah, and uh, it's one of those things you can't let fear hold you back. I, I saw um, a, a post. I think I think you met um, Sharonica before when you were in Brisbane.
0: Josh. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah she put a post up about before. Um, it's this um, motivational one about you know be inspired. Don't let thing. Don't let fear hold you back. And uh, it's yeah, it's motorcycling, and uh, the the diving aspect was an incredible. Um, it's an incredible rush. I really get a rush from, I know I'm alive when I'm down there and I'm surrounded by sharks, um, but I'm not sitting down there um, in, in fear of what's going on. I'm sitting down there and I'm absolutely um, blown away with what's what's going on around me, the gracefulness and the speed which these, um, you, you know, these magnificent creatures are moving around with me and, you know, and getting back to the motorcycle, you know, like feeling like you're flying through the air at, you know, at whatever speed you're doing, um, you know, as you're getting into, um, you guys call them canyons, we call them twisties here, but when you're getting into those roads, you know, and, um, and the bike is, 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 you know, like you literally reach down and touch the road and, um, you know, you, you're cornering and you just with a group of guys, the, the euphoria and the, uh, um, the adrenaline that goes through your body for each encounter is just remarkable. So, you know, I'm a blessed guy in a lot of ways that I can enjoy three things that I get such a kick out of, and you know, and I share that with some remarkable people um, locally and internationally. It's, it's you got to look at it and say to yourself, man, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really living an incredible life when I've got the ability to do that. And you know, one of each of those things might end my life one day, um, but you know. Um, it would be very disappointing to sit in a chair and, and um, grow old and think, you know, I really, really wish I did it <laughs> and I really wish that I hadn't taken on my um, so much of my grandmother's advice. So, sure. you know, for anybody who's battling with that same sort of thing, it's don't let fear hold your back, you know. I mean, do it sensibly, of course. I'm not asking anybody to go and um, get on a motorbike and, and uh, put themselves into another car or into a tree or anything you like that, that or jump into a water with a... Um, a menacing man-eating shark, but you know, uh, it's these things are, are, are out there. They're possible, and they're they're great fun when you're doing them the right way.
0: It reminds me of uh, Red Fox. Remember the comedian Red Fox? Mm, Do he uh, had a funny joke that I I can't ever forget, and uh, he was talking about the fact that when he went to see his doctor, and his doctor gave him a bunch of shit was basically saying, you know, you can't, you got to stop smoking cigarettes because they'll kill you. He said, I got to stop drinking so much whiskey because it's going to kill me. And then he tells me that I got to stop eating so much red meat because my cholesterol is going to kill me. And I said, doctor, I'm going to feel real fucking dumb lying in bed, dying to nothing. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I think of when people are like, you know, don't go in the ocean; it's dangerous. Well, like, no shit. <laughs> so look, is driving in a car. We do that all the time. Look, I understand. I just I'm afraid of sharks.
1: This is a legitimate fear of mine. Uh, I'll go in the ocean. I'm just
0: afraid of sharks. I've seen him go in the ocean. The he will go.
1: Fascinating. Up to me. his
0: knees and then he runs out. Yeah,
1: up to I and I most certainly <laughs> run out. I I run. I'm just not a big, you know, sharks do terrify me. Um, I'm fascinated by them. I, they're they're incredible, but I it's just not for me. That's all.
2: That, Mate, that's fair enough. All, horse, all horses for different courses, you know. It's it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, what
1: the fuck? It, yeah.
0: <laughs> We don't have that said. We saying. don't
1: we don't say stuff like that.
0: Horses for Courses. <laughs> <laughs> well, not that particular one. We have we have sayings, but just not... I haven't heard that one anyway. That's a good one. I'm going to steal it. I, I like yeah, it. Go for it. We have different um, strokes for different folks, yeah. but I guess yeah, they're both golf-related, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Or, or it could be from the,
2: the show, Different different Strokes.
0: I guess, yeah. I, I suppose.
2: What you talking about, Willis? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys remember that show? Were you old enough to remember that?
0: I've uh, seen reruns. I've seen reruns. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That um, it, I'm showing my age here because that was a huge hit in Australia.
0: I mean, I, I think it was also a huge hit in the states, but yeah. Either way, you're showing your age. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah. I mean, um. Don't be fooled by this gray. I'm just premature. That's yeah, he all. is. So does girlfriend says too.
1: Jeez. <laughs> 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 oh my god! You gentlemen have no idea. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh,
1: you oh, you can't just loft that, that up there. I, I fucked up with that one. I just yeah, said, you here you go.
2: Straight into it. yeah. yeah, it's like it's, having your friend fart in the room and just walking straight in with your mouth open. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: that's low hanging fruit if I've ever let it go. <laughs> All
0: right, so I'm going to ask you a question, Glenn. Uh, sure. It's a question we've we've uh, for one reason or another got away from for the past couple of episodes of asking our guests. Very obvious question. Once oh, I ask it, fuck, no, I Dave started that. Yeah, Dave uh, started asking this, so I'm, uh, I'm going to try and bring it back. Are you a philosopher or a madman?
2: Ooh, that is a really good question. I think that um, I think that I I sort of flaunt the scale on both of those. I'm I'm not I'm not trying to be one of those fence sitters there, but I mean, there's a lot of times I'm a madman in things and uh, there's sometimes where i put my philosopher hat on i probably prefer to walk the madman style
0: My man.
1: can yep. i can i let you in on a secret yeah they're one and the same fine <laughs> sir they're one and the same
2: well I, that, that's that's a that's a good point i think i think you know um, there's been a lot of philosophers throughout history that have been madmen and uh, I don't see anything wrong with that. I think that that's uh, that's a, a, a compliment, um, and I mean I certainly put Bart Bellin in that category after meeting him and spending time with him. Is that he is both a philosopher and a madman, mm-hmm. um, in a great way, and I, I mean that with um, with um, respect and um, and um, and a lot of love in it too. He's um, he, he's an inspiration in himself, and I've met a lot of people like that. Um, one of my early mentors a guy called Boyd Hooper um who was um instrumental in developing the the NDTF um he is he very much walks that line as well he's a madman but a great philosopher as well and um it's it's been an honor and a privilege to have people like that in my life who have influenced me and helped me grow into my own person um as a as a trainer and as an educator myself and you know I I think that um like I said before, it, I think um, walking each side of that scale <laughs> is, uh, is a pretty cool thing, and you touched on it, Dave, is that they're one in the same.
1: Now, uh, there's two things that have to happen. Mm. Uh, has, has Josh told you the story of Bart Bellin and uh, the gin and tonic? <laughs> has he shared that no. story with you? No. Mm. Certainly one for the ages, and... Uh, Before we go on with the final story of Bart Bologna and the Gin and Tonic, how do people get a hold of you?
2: Oh, uh, that's uh, um, quite easy. They can Facebook me, um, which is probably my best way of um, communicating with people, or they can um, email me um, at uh, Glenn, with a double N, at PetResortsAustralia.com. Um yeah they're probably the the best ways to, to catch up with me social media and, and email um
0: don't worry later i'm going to give out your personal phone number
2: terrific yeah no <laughs> no that Enjoy that um, getting woken up with um, heavy breathing and two guys <laughs> telling me that they've been wrestling each other on the floor
0: with so uh <laughs> Uh, Dave, you, uh, can I just ask a question? Quickly? Yeah. Are you,
2: on, uh, are you on the balance symposium?
0: Yes. No, he is not. Oh, oh yeah. He's no, I'm not.
2: So you said yes when you had every intention of lying to me. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he, <laughs> I love you.
2: I love you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm not going to let that shit slide. <laughs> he's not on the symposium. that
2: that that, that that's worthy of a chokehold for sure.
0: He <laughs> tried. Yeah. Monday, I'll get him. Oh, Wednesday, crybaby. Cool. Yeah, I'm just trying to avoid a staff infection. Fuck me, right? Yeah, MRSA is for <laughs> losers. <laughs> so, uh, Bart- oh, uh, by
2: the way, Josh, I, yeah? I um, saw your um, terrific winning in your jiu jitsu the other day. Oh, thanks, man. Oh,
0: fuck you. Thanks, man. Oh,
2: seriously. <laughs> I mean, no, if
0: you mad. wear those type of fights and you can choke a guy out, you deserve a leg up. Oh, yeah, see? He couldn't fit Hold it. Up, man. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. I had I had a lot of fun. It was really nerve-wracking. Uh, it was my 1st jujitsu competition. My dad was there. It was, uh, <laughs> it was really uh, made me get quite sweaty palms, we'll say. Um, but it was a lot of fun. I won double golds. Not to brag or anything, it's just what happened. And uh, it was way scarier than I thought it was going to be. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, that's it, it, that's awesome, bud. I mean, you know, I I dabbled in it when I was a kid. Um, I did some boxing and some uh, kickboxing when I was a young fella. Oh, awesome. And uh, I know how nerve-wracking that, that can be, We're walking into the ring. And I often um, relate it to – I talk about it to students about um, – you know, their fear of, of getting up and teaching class instruction in front of me and other, um, their their um, student colleagues. And I relate it to when I first walked into a boxing ring and um, it was just an amateur round, three rounds. And I remember my coach saying to me, um, listen to everything I say, you know, like follow my instructions to a T. And I said, yeah, yeah. And he said, you're going to listen to me, aren't you? I said, absolutely, 100%. <laughs> and when I walked in the ring, it was like a, a cone developed around my eyes, like it shrunk <laughs> around my face. And it was like somebody um, cling-wrapped me and all I could see was the guy in front of me and we were both standing there shaking, trying to look bad, you know, like trying to look <laughs> ah. each other. And, um, you know, well, we were both containing, shitting our pants at the same time. <laughs> and um, it, it, was, it was a harrowing situation. And I, I remember hearing my coach calling to me, but all I could hear was,
0: <laughs>
2: and it was it was it was a construct that sounded nothing like um like human speech and, um, i got in the corner and he said you know he said listen to me you little bastard and i said hey, no. and he goes well all i saw was you you two running around the ring like windmills throwing haymakers <laughs> at each other and um, I was exhausted after round one. I was absolutely exhausted. <laughs> the stress and the, and the fatigue of, of chasing this other dude around the <laughs> ring and then him turning around and chasing me around the ring. And it looked, um, it looked like a pie-fighting competition rather than a boxing <laughs> match. So um, the only thing, the only thing that I can remember from it, the only one thing that I could remember taking away from it is him hitting the, the canvas at the 10-second time where he, he, like he went and that's all I could hear but I was conditioned to hearing that and that meant go for your life and he literally (laughs) said to me well there's no point in telling you to go for your life because you literally spent one round doing that (laughs) Uh, so it was and I say that to students I tell them I said I understand what you're going through when you stand up and you're in front of everybody understand that the world shrinks around you and you get this stigmatism that your vision disappears and your mouth dries and everything like that I said I know it's hard I'm with you I'm empathetic to it so I totally Get it? Don't think that I'm I'm sitting here. Don't think anyone's going to laugh at you or anything like that. We're just waiting for you to be awesome. And you know that's what my coach said, basically said to me. He said, "Mate, I, he said I know in practice you can be awesome. I'm just waiting to see it." Um, and that's you know I think that's great advice from anybody when they get up there is is Shit, yeah. you know just just do the best you can and and, and realize that you can be awesome. Um, you've you've just got to um, let go of whatever's
0: chaining you back. I couldn't give more sage advice. Thank you. That's quite flattering. <laughs> no, so, I mean, on to this
2: gin and tonic thing. Well, I think we're ah, oh,
0: shit. To- All right. Yeah, so... Uh, Bart came out to St. Louis last year for uh, the International Association of Canine Professionals, the IACP's annual conference, and he was a presenter. And later that evening... He came out and he uh, was getting some drinks and dinner with a bunch of us. You know, it was a it was a great gathering of, of dog trainers, a few hundred of us. You know, we end up kind of taking over all the local bars and restaurants. It's great time every year. Actually, uh, Dave and I just came back from it not too long ago uh, this year. It was yeah, in LA. I saw your um, post on Facebook. Yeah, it was in Los Angeles this year. I ate a tremendous number of tacos, drank some delicious beers. It was a, oh, yeah. a wonderful time. Um, but the year before, Bart uh, presented, and then we went out and got some drinks. <clears throat> I was sitting at the bar with my friend Justin Hall. Uh, we just did a shot. Bart walked up. He was talking to me about you know, kind of what some of his plans were in the future with his, his school and his silver and gold programs. And uh, I asked him if I could buy him a drink. And said, yeah. <clears throat> he said he wanted a gin and tonic, so I get him a gin and tonic. I get me a beer. And uh, I pay the bartender. And as I pay the bartender, Bart, myself, and Justin are talking, kind of shooting shit, whatever, deep in dog trainer conversation until the point where the bartender comes back and gives me my change. And mid-conversation, as Bart is telling me a story, she comes back and you know throws the, the change on the bar, and he scoops it up and throws a dollar on the bar and stuffs it into his wallet, right, like it's no big deal. And I I just looked at him and said, oh, yeah, man, keep the change. Kind of laughing at myself, you know. And he must have been just so into his story. He had no idea. He looked at me like I was a fucking idiot. And he goes, yeah, of course. Like, why the fuck would I not take my change, you know. And then me and Justin are laughing so hard I can't kind of even let him know what happened. And, uh, and then he just sauntered off to go do something else <laughs> <laughs> with my fucking three dollars.
2: <laughs>
0: that's, uh, that's the gin and tonic story.
2: Uh, actually, I have heard a story um, about your time in Melbourne where you learned what shouting was. Shouting? Yeah. Okay. Shouting the crowd, like when it's your shout? You're familiar with that term? Not really, no. Now? Oh, dude, seriously. We embraced you and you've just shit in our face.
0: Oh, oh, come on, man. I'm, I'm fucking working on it.
2: Uh, <laughs> when, you, when you go to a pub with a group of friends. Oh, is this
0: where I didn't sex buy sex people a drink? Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> shit, I didn't know that.
0: I didn't know it was called that, uh, shouting. Well,
2: in, in Australia, when it's when it's your turn, I think you guys call it buying a round or something like yep. that. But we, yeah. we yeah. say it's your shout. So when it's your shout, um, you go up and, and buy the round for everybody.
0: Yeah. Cool.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, it's not always like that where I'm from. Yeah. Uh, nope. So at one point, I just went up to the bar, bought myself a drink. I didn't get one for Brett I, I, or Kat. I, I, I was told. <laughs> Nor did I get one for my, my own girlfriend. quickly in Australian culture. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Uh, I realized right afterwards, like, oh, yeah, I can see how that, that's fucking rude. As I was the only oh. one with a full beer. I immediately recognized what had happened. And uh, Actually, I think a lot
2: of people were considering a beatdown on you that night.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. No that's doubt. Cool. Uh, and no, de- it was good fun. I mean, most, deservedly most people so. from America don't get it. They, uh, it's the same sort of thing. They go
2: up and buy a beer, and then they look at everybody, and everybody's thirsty and looking at them going, Okay, Um, so how do we get through this little um, indiscrepancy here?
0: Yeah, cultural difference. No, they handled it perfectly. They just fucking chastised me for it. (laughs) And I I never forgot it. After that, I was like, okay. I like how he forgot to tell you that, Dave, like that one vital bit of information about Australian culture he forgot to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) So did you uh, did you uh, did you
2: actually get to go and taste some tasty beers while you're out here?
0: I did. Yeah, yeah. No, Jess and I searched high and low. Melbourne had um, a couple of cool stores that had a ton of Australian beers in them. Um, the reason I single out Melbourne is that's really the city we spent the most time in, as mm. as a city. Um, you know, we were outside of Sydney at Dural at your place, and we were. Outside of downtown Brisbane with Tammy and Bucky Peters. So we didn't get into the cities where, generally speaking, there's a higher population of breweries. But yeah. in Melbourne, we stayed right in the city. and We got a chance to explore um, uh, city culture. Yeah, yeah. Drinking culture. <clears throat> exactly. And Alex Edwards, who was just up here in Buffalo, he... Had a chance to uh, hang out with Jess and I, and we kind of jumped on a local, giving us a, an offer to take us around, see some cool beer spots, so he helped us out, and then the internet pointed us in the right direction to some killer beer stores. So yeah, man, we, uh, it, it did change a bit of our perspective on beer culture in, in Australia. Terrific. Yeah.
2: C- and can I ask you, gents, a question on, on your time at the IACP? Yeah. Did you, did you feel that you got a lot out of it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Yeah. No, it, we, it was worth it. Yeah. They always bring in a variety of different speakers who talk on all types of topics ranging from business to practical applications with dogs to, uh, to a different degree all over the map. So somebody spoke on Uh, running sled dogs in the Iditarod. Somebody spoke on separation anxiety. Somebody spoke on playing games with a dog like tug of war. Somebody spoke on how to work your dog in small spaces in a large city and using your environment to your advantage. And somebody spoke on teaching different circus tricks to dogs. And it's a very, very interesting mix of dog trainers from all over the united states mostly but you know this year we had a few people from australia we had um somebody from new zealand some people from canada Um, but it's a really cool meeting of the minds per se where you get to share ideas drink beers and just kind of discuss yeah exactly it's it's Mm -hmm. It's really in my opinion one of the best things the IACP has to offer is the ability to meet like minded dog trainers from all over the map. Yeah, that's awesome. But every year and that's, the uh... and that's really that's um um uh,
2: that's literally um why we got the the Balance Symposium going is to yeah um to try and get um like minded people from all over the map to get together and discuss ideas and philosophies in, in training. Um, you know, and to have, and to realise that we're not always going to agree with each other. Um, but, you know, I mean, in that forum itself, and when you do get to have that level of networking with each other on a continual basis, some great things can come of it, you know, some um, some ideas, new science, um, what's relevant, what's not. Um, I mean, there's, for, for people getting in the industry and for people who even, who are, young in the industry, um, that sort of information, that sort of connectivity to other people is just, it's its brilliant to have. Uh, you know, I mean, seminars like that. I mean, David and I, um, uh, my boss, David, we went over to L.A. when you were coming over. We were going over to the pet boarding and daycare yeah. um, uh, conference. And it was, yeah, it was absolutely fantastic. There were some really, really unbelievable things that we picked up from there. That um, you know, the states is is certainly leading the way in them, and what we found ourselves was that um, even though some of the um, the ideas were very much um, well, very similar in in the, in, in their um, conception, what was unique was how good Americans are with customer service. You know how much they. Um, they bend over backwards for their, their, their clients and their, um, and the people within the industry and so forth. I mean, seriously, Americans have got it. Um, the way they speak to people, the way they interact with people, um, their level of professionalism and, um, and how much work they actually put into developing that, um, professional, um, persona is incredible. And it really gave me an eye opener. Just, you know, sitting in a, in a diner over there and, and ordering and having the staff come over and how um, just, I mean, I know they're working for tips and they're, they're working to impress people, but boy, do they do it well. You know, when I've been used to um, sitting in some of the Australian restaurants where they sort of come over and it's like you're an inconvenience that you sort of <laughs> got to come over to the table. Um, and I'm, I'm sure it exists over there as well. Fuck I'm sure yeah, that there, are, there are um, pockets where that sort of thing exists because, I mean... Man, I've been to some fantastic places here myself. Where you know, you just think, what an experience! What what a brilliant place that is! And that's something that um, you know, all our staff uh, were asking. You know, what did you do over there? What did you learn? And um, we sat down with them and said, what we learned was this: um, that we, you know, we we need to um, have a better um, understanding of our client, their wants, their needs um what drives them what what's um what fears they have about leaving their pets behind and so forth and you know even with with um, dog training guys it's the same sort of thing is is um you know of of having that initial trust um when they're keying up with a with a trainer when they're sitting down to interview you to say you know are you the a a person who really cares about me and, and my dog and it's uh you know it's it's quite enlightening when you actually get to um, spend that time with people and have that uh, epiphany so to speak and I did have an epiphany over there you know the, the light bulb really came on um, for both David and myself we, we both looked at it and thought Wow, this is really um, a new direction that we need to um, be spending some time in and it's it's um, it's a philosophy and a um, a passion now that we're having at work where we're we're evolving to that that standard um we're not quite there yet but we're certainly um making headway to it so hats off to you guys for um developing a great system and and being good mentors to um people in the industry as well um for 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 better styles of customer service
0: oh shit man thanks thank you yeah that's uh that's cool to hear that uh, you know, I think we have, we get a lot of stereotypes about, you know, Americans going places and people are kind of bummed we're there. So it's, it's nice that, uh, to hear something of a different ilk, for sure.
2: Yeah, I don't... I, look, I, I, I don't think that people are terribly happy when they've got, um, you know, a convoy of tanks rolling in. tanks uh, on the side of it. Yeah. But, um, you know, like, I know that... Um, some of the great stuff that I've learned and been taught to over the years have come from uh, American trainers. And it doesn't mean that every bit of information that I've ever got was the best from Americans. I mean, I've learned some fantastic things from Dutch and German and, and um, Czech people as well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I learned some great stuff when I was over with the, the guys in the UAE. But... Um, what I have learned from the Americans is how good they are at putting on a great show for people, how valued they make people feel for coming to their seminars. And, you know, it was interesting, Josh, I watched, you know, like when I first met you and we were, um, that first night we were sort of, um, testing each other out, I guess, over (laughs) a few beers and stuff like, like men tend to do. Um, which was which was great fun, you know. We sort of um, beautiful. We, we sort of realised there was no boundary in what we could say to each other and stuff like that. <laughs> and then once you, um, you know, like um, open up with your seminar, like you you literally hit the ground running, like um, like a consummate professional. And I was I was notably impressed. Um, this is no blowing smoke up your butt. Um, Thanks, man. But I really liked how you presented yourself. You you got in there. You sounded great. You hit the ground running. You made people feel very, very welcome for being there. And, you know, the, um, the respect and the, the enjoyment was really felt. There was a good atmosphere in the seminar altogether. So, um, again, man, congratulations. That was great.
0: Uh, well, I don't think my face can get any redder. Uh, but thank you very much. It's real right? <laughs> <laughs> I had a uh, I had I a blast say, in your I, country, I, man. People ask me all the time what was the the best thing I liked about Australia, and I can say without hesitation, it was the people. I met some incredible people down there. You guys have in a wonderful culture, and uh, honestly, it's it's something that made a very lasting impact on me you know i met some incredible folks down there very happy to open their homes and and just really open up to me in a variety of ways it was it was spectacular
2: well that's terrific mate um and please believe me that if i didn't like your seminar um i would uh, probably very um uh, professionally
0: Tell me uh, explain to, it to you
2: personally, but <laughs> so, like, you know, I, would, I, I would I would have said that you know I didn't find um, value in it or anything like that, but I, I did, and I spoke to um, several people who um, were fortunate enough to come back the second day, and especially my staff who got to spend that um, that personal time with you on the on the Monday, and they, you know, like I said, did you enjoy it? And they all said, oh, absolutely, it was great, you know, and they're utilising things that you're. That you've taught them to do, you know, like some of the experiences that you've um, that you've gained that you've passed on to them. They're saying, you know, can we can we do this in, in our um, in our training? I said, absolutely. If you're finding it's a better way to do it, incorporate it. There's no problem with it whatsoever. And and that's what we need to take away from each other in these um, in, in these learning platforms when we've got the ability to sit down and um, reinvent ourselves to be bet- for, for the betterment of it. To become a better person a better trainer i mean you'd have to be insane not to consider it i mean it, it just shows limitations in people when they're sort of sitting there and going oh, i like my old way better even though that it's it's less effective or it um you know it's it's more um time consuming if i can see a faster way a better way a more enriching way to, to train a dog i'm all is I'm, I'm happy to hand the the, the captain's cat to the Cap to the person who's gonna teach me. Sorry, we're going over time, are we?
0: No, I was just thinking, like, this fucking guy, we're gonna have to have you on once a month, man, to give me a, you know, pump me up for fucking dog (laughs) count. I
1: was actually actually getting real upset because no one was complimenting me for a while. Love that
0: beard, buddy. He got his compliments in the beginning. Fucking don't, don't, don't pander to him. God damn it. You will pander to me. (laughs) You all will pander. I, I tell
2: you, when, when,
0: um, hopefully
2: um, Mel and Josh um, talk in the future or or whatever and you guys come out why don't you come down and and we'll have a we'll go on a binge drinking tour or something like that Yeah, awesome you you guys can wrestle around in my living room and I'll just sip a beer and say
1: would you look at that? <laughs> <back in? laughs> oh, holy shit! The implications on that are fucking wild. Two Yanks
0: choking <laughs> each other. Just two
1: Yanks having a
0: link. <laughs> oh fuck! All right, man. On that note, uh, Glenn, we're gonna let you go. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday brunch, uh, which I'm hoping you know you got some cool plan for yourself. And uh, again, it's G L E N N. C-O-O-K-E on social media. Yes. And And there's me and Randy. (laughs) Randy man that you are. Uh, So we're going to be able to link a lot of your uh, email, social media, stuff like that to this podcast if you guys would like to get a hold of the Randy man himself down under, Glenn (laughs) Cook. Otherwise, dude, thanks a million for being on absolute pleasure guys
2: and um yeah i really it's an honor and a privilege to be uh, asked to be part of the podcast and to dave to get to know you a little better um great stuff Mark, uh, mate, meet, And you, uh, man. yeah i hope to um talk to you guys more
0: absolutely we look forward to it my friend have a good evening awesome thank you very much Night.